Most people, when they do it, do like plastic wrap or saran wrap before the duct tape. Okay. Uh, I did not. I oh. regret. I regret. Not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the the person who was doming me in the scene was like, "Listen, I need you to know that I'm very down for this." I need you to be sure that you're very down for this because she's like, I don't, I don't know if you can fully appreciate what that's probably going to feel like coming off. And this was after I'd come out as trans, but before I'd been on hormones. So I was a lot hairier of a person then. And so I just, (laughs) holy shit, that was a bad time. But first a word from our sponsors. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now motor bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout. Dick wipes. Yes, I am telling you about Promescent's new dick wipes. These wipes will help you last longer in bed and take up no more space than a condom. Buy Promescent's new delay wipes today at Promescent. P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Good morning, sluts. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Sorry for the semi late release uh, last night. Kind of got away from me. Uh, one of those accidental long nights. But uh, I am here with you now this week with fellow podcaster, the host of Queer Splaining, Callie Wright. Very excited to share my conversation with them in a little bit. But first, got a little weekend story for y'all. On Friday night, I, I found a Reddit ad. As many of y'all know, I am prone to do. And the ad was this really hot couple who wanted people to show up to the Comac Motor Inn on Long Island and find their window that they would keep open and watch them fuck. Maybe touch themselves. Sounded like a fun time. My girlfriend was off on vacation. She's jet-setting the Caribbean. So I was like, all right, this, this, this ain't uh, a totally abnormal Friday night for Billy Presida. Jerking off to some random couple on Long Island at some motel. Uh, why did I main, name drop Comac Motor in? Because, you know, maybe you were wondering, where can I safely fuck and invite people to come watch? Sounds like a place you could do it. Uh, mind you, please do not, like, go to the Comac Motor Inn and just, like, walk around looking in the people's windows and jerking off. That's not cool either. These are uh, prearranged scenes, everybody. Anyways, hot couple wants us to come out and watch and jerk and, and all that. So I, I think that, cool. I, I suit up. I get the jacket on. I've got the sweatpants on because sweatpants are very uh, jerk-off in public friendly. I got my jar of coconut oil in the pocket. I'm ready to go until I get to my car. And notice, someone broke into the fucking Toyota. 
Yeah, front windows totally smashed, uh, shattered glass everywhere. Like, you know, someone clearly rummaged around, you know, the middle consoles on the front seat. But the thing is, like, you know, I'm a professional poor person. There's not really anything of substance in my car to take. Like, why steal from me? I purposefully let mountains and mountains of empty Five Guys bags pile up in the backseat just to show I'm a trash human being with nothing to take other than the vehicle itself. Like, I sometimes am worried somebody might steal the car. I'm usually not worried someone's going to, like, break in and take shit. Like, I'm just like, eh, someone might break in and take the whole thing. I had two $1,000 vibrators in my backseat. Yes, I had two motor bunnies in the backseat. Didn't fucking take those. What, did you open the Fresh Direct bag and see a big pink dildo and get intimidated? Fucking wuss. Billy, why are you riding around with two motor bunnies in the backseat? Because you always want to be prepared, people. You never know when you need an incredibly powerful vibrator. And then you also always want to back up, both of which you can purchase at manhorpod.com slash motorbunny and get $50 off anyways. It, didn't, it turns out they really only took my eyeglasses, which was astonishing. The thief was uh, had the wherewithal and patience to like even move my front seat forward, which does not move quickly. So they're sitting there patiently like, yep, just casually going to keep my finger on this button. Watch this seat slowly move up so I can really just like get into the weeds of fucking up this dude's day. So so my night was spent taping up my window instead of jerking off in public. Damn. Is it because I had New York Jets plates on? Like, come on. I'm already getting kicked in the dick this season as is. You don't you don't need to rob me on top of it. If anything, like if you see someone with a car and has New York Jets license plates, like really you should write like a really sweet note and saying like, you know, I'm sorry you're having a tough year and just like put it under the windshield wiper. I think that's the more appropriate thing to do with something like mine. Got a couple emails I want to address from y'all before I get to this week's guest, Callie Wright. This first email comes from Sarah. Sarah writes, Oh, Billy, I've been enjoying your podcast for a few years, but I recently realized uh, the impact that it has had on my life. I decided to put my money where my throbbing vulva is and officially join the fan whore community on Patreon. Rockin'. Um, the way that you explore sex and relationships is so refreshing. I've learned so much from your podcast. I think the biggest thing I've learned is being able to consider both my husband's and my own sexuality and desires without being so judgmental. You've really helped us to normalize talking about sex. We used to avoid certain subjects for fear of hurting the other person. Lately, we've come to realize that talking is just talking. Fucking duh. Being turned on by someone who's not my partner and wanting to bang them does not equal banging them. It feels great just to share the things that turn me on with my partner, and it dials up the heat between the two of us. We've had some great discussions lately about the boundaries of our relationship and how we might adjust those. We've also talked about expectations and feeling pressure to perform. Putting these things out in the open has allowed us to relax a little more around each other in the bedroom and outside of it. Go you two. Are you are y'all at the Comac Motor Inn? Give me a call. Ultimately, we're discovering that sex is for fun and it's whatever we want it to be. Again, duh. Like, why weren't we thinking of it in these terms before? We're huge fans and we tell people about the pod all the time. You're doing great work, Billy. Thank you for doing it. By the way, I recently listened to your episode with Rachel Steele and was blown away. I was driving a few hours to my husband's house after working a stretch of night shifts. I was exhausted, struggling to stay awake for the drive. 
But the discussion about incest porn perked me right up and kept me awake and horny for the remainder of the trip. I have to admit, I didn't know that incest porn was a thing before listening to your podcast, and I definitely wouldn't have expected for it to be something that appeals to me. However, you and Rachel totally turned me on to the idea of being a naughty, needy mommy. Mm. I'm not a mother and don't plan to have children, but that won't stop me from playing out this role with my partner. I even have an idea for a script that does not involve someone having two broken arms. <laughs> Thanks again, Billy, for what you're doing on the podcast. Love, Sarah. Well, gosh, uh, Sarah, we love a we love a good throb in vulva over here at the Man Whore Podcast. Big fans of that. Uh, you didn't know incest porn was a thing. Where, where where have you been? Do you not have the internet? What's going on? How do you? I'm glad we could help you discover arguably one of the most popular porn niches on the internet uh go forth and fuck your fake son slash husband it seems like you and the hubster have come to accept that monogamy is an agreement you make right but not an absence of outside desires yes you want to fuck that hottie at the gym or at work or the coffee shop but y'all choose not to I know monogamy is a bit underrepresented on the show, but let it be known, I think monogamous people can still have super hot sex lives with each other, so way to go. And thank you for joining Fan Whore Nation and supporting the show. Uh, it's been it's been nice having you in the peep show and, and chatting it up in the champagne room, our super free, super sex positive, super fun Discord server, uh, which, by the way, you can join uh, me and Sarah in the conversation at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Totally free. Come say hi uh, and, and good luck to you and your husband and your throbbing vulva. Next email comes from Matthew. He says, Billy, I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning, and I'm trying to catch up, but I am unable to find the above episodes, numbers 45, 72, and 107. Have they been deleted on purpose? Very observant of you, Matthew. Yes. Um, one, I hope you have caught up to present day by now. I hope you're not like still in like the 2019 episodes. Spoiler alert, a pandemic is coming. Uh, yes, a few episodes, those 45, 72, 107, those have come down. Uh, I don't do that often. Extenuating circumstances sometimes come up. Like, for example, I think episode 72 was with a former comedian who has since quit comedy, and he's totally quit the public life, right? And he was applying to jobs, and at the time, he was using his real name on the podcast and his real photo, because, you know, he's trying to promote his what was then his comedy career. So he didn't need his uh, potential employers to to find my first Magnum condom attached to his name. You know, so I'll take something like that down. Hey, if you want more episodes, there are over 200 bonus episodes available on my Patreon at the $5 tier. Uh, and also, even if you don't want to give me a single dollar, you should still check out my Patreon page. Because over there, I've got 10 free full-length bonus episodes available. At the top of my About section, I have a list of all the links to those bonus episodes. You can hear me talk to my uh, intern, Sophia, who I did not have sex with. Uh, you can hear me talk with my former publicist. We've got some extra content from some of the live episodes 
that we've done. We even brought back Roxanne. Remember Roxanne from the Oral Sex Auditions, episode 180? Yeah, I brought her back and, and we caught up there too. And those are free to listen to. So, you know, whether you want to give me money or not, go check out patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more show, One of those people over on Patreon is getting a fan whore appreciation moment. I want to give a shout out right now to Francis Bupre. I, I, dude, I do not know how to say your fancy French name, but like, what up, man? Francis and I were pushing each other recently to do more push-ups in the wellness channel in the champagne room. So he's kind of, he's kind of one of my, my wellness buddies over in that channel. So shout out to Francis. Thank you for supporting the podcast and uh, thanks for being a, a TCR favorite. We love having you over there. And again, you can come join the conversation for free in the champagne room at manhorpod.com slash discord. And you can support the podcast and receive a slew of great rewards at patreon.com slash manhorpodcast. I'll have links in the show notes. Don't worry. And now for this week's guest, Callie Wright. I met Callie, uh, who is a fellow podcaster, hosts a show called Queer Splaining uh, at uh, an event called Patreon back in 2018 um, instantly hit it off. We've been Twitter friends ever since. And Callie and I recorded last night, but uh, this is embarrassing. I somehow, despite doing this for a living and doing over 400 episodes, I <laughs> we did a virtual and I somehow clicked on the wrong microphone input for my part of the recording. So, so it ended up recording through the, the headphones I was wearing. So it's totally listenable. It's not like bad quality, but it is a lesser quality sound than the sound you're hearing from me right now. Callie's mic, wonderful. Sounds clear, crisp, and all the things. And not for nothing, Callie is like quite the monologuist. So like they do most of the talking anyway. So just wanted to give you a little disclaimer on the audio quality of the episode where like 20% of it is me talking, not sounding as crisp and clear as this. Sorry, not sorry. I think it's a pretty dope conversation. We're talking about their uh, their their kinks, their their cast bondage fetish, and also talking about trans identity and, and is including my own. Let's do a couple awkward ad reads and then chat with Callie Wright. The Man Horror Podcast is sponsored by Promescent. Oh, I always carry it in, in my bag, my backpack, just in case, because you never know when you need the assistance. Their delay spray is phenomenal. Just with one or two squirts on my cock, and like I've got the confidence to have more stamina and last longer in bed. Big fan. So my mind was blown when I got an email from uh, from Ryan at Promescent. He was like, yo, Billy, you know that delay spray we have? You know how awesome it is? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, now imagine that if it was a wipe. Yes, we are selling dick wipes today. And these dick wipes will make a penis last longer in bed. So if you, you know, if you have some trouble with premature ejaculation, or if you just wish you could last a little longer, I highly recommend getting promescence delay spray or delay wipes pick them up for a cock in your life that you're a fan of you know somebody you think uh would would appreciate such a gift they're great stocking stuffers and you can get a whole batch of them do you have brothers you got you got a bunch of you gotta have a bunch of dick having siblings 
Get a slew of them for the Fantasy Football Championship weekend. If you do some sort of in-person thing, you get, everyone gets a dick wipe. You get a dick wipe. I get a dick wipe. Everybody gets a dick wipe. Be the Oprah of dick wipes and grab a bulk of them at promescent.com. That's promescent, P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. And let them know the Man Whore Podcast sent you. Folks, Ethereum's down a little bit. Bitcoin's down a little bit. Shibu, Doge, Algo, Pokedotty, all those things. A lot of the cryptos are down for this brief window of time. And if you want to be like me and buy the dip, ooh, you got to do it using Coinbase. Yes, Coinbase is the crypto app that I personally use to invest uh, in things like Ethereum and Shibu and Algorand. Big fan of Algorand. They pay, they pay interest. And Coinbase is running a wonderful deal where if you download the app at manwhorepod.com slash crypto, they're actually, once you do $100 worth of trading, you will get $10 in free Bitcoin. Yes, that's like a free investment. That's amazing. Coinbase's app is easy to use, convenient, free to download. And you can even use it as a crypto wallet. I know I do. Which by the way, hey, if anybody wants to like tip me in, in, in crypto, uh, I know I say, like, I got Venmo, I got Cash App and Patreon and OnlyFans, but uh, hey, I take crypto too, so uh, always hit me up if you need my wallet address. But in the meantime, if you want to get investing, if you want to buy the dip, download Coinbase today at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Now let's get to the show. Wait, so what is this thing that you you had to, you wanted to share that you remembered? <laughs> So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me let me set up with this. So my girlfriend has this thing that she does where she will like I call it a dangle. She will say something, catch herself. Go, actually, never mind. But it'll be like mm-hmm. it'll be like a kind of big thing, or yeah. it'll be on a kind of big topic. I'm like, I mean, you can't you can't say like a sentence and a half, and then, you know, let's not because now I'm ruining. Oh, no. on, right? I cannot. So I I I will let no one in my life do that. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't I, can't handle it. She, She's like, she's like learning what a dangle is. And so we're working on it. It's cool communication. But she popped in at the coffee shop after you said that. And before she left, I was like, oh, by the way, babe, you want to see like a grade A dangle? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, to be fair to me, I was ready to tell you the story, but I knew we were doing this. And so I said, we should probably wait. (laughs) Professionally love a dangle. Uh, Let's me know there's something there. But but in my personal life, I'm like, please don't make me sit here for 12 hours. Like sometimes like, oh, let's talk about tomorrow. I'll be like, it's better if you just don't mention the existence of the thing, For just sure. bring it up tomorrow. Don't tell me tomorrow I have this big thing we have to talk about yeah. in our relationship. I'm like, cool. So I can just like freak out for the next 12 to 14 hours. Yeah. And, and I'm actually like today years old when I learned of a word for that phenomenon because I hate it and I never knew what to call it. So I would always, I would always do this, this like paragraph of like, no, 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 you, you can't just like bring up a thing and then stop and then try to change the topic. Now I have a word for it. And so like, that's a gift you've given me, my friend. And I appreciate it. We're calling it's it a little dangle. Little dangle. It. Well, and if you need an emoji for it, the, uh, the fisher, the fisher pole. Oh, shit. also, okay. also works. Okay. If, uh, if, All you, right. if you don't have time to write out the whole word. Yeah, love that. Okay. So uh but I'm here. Um, I just want to say real quick, I'm here with Callie oh, yeah. Wright, the the host of Queer Splaining. 
who has a, a, apparently a wonderful dangle uh, to to elaborate on <laughs> that I've been waiting for hours for. So one one dangle I got rid of like five years ago. This one. Where, ah, uh, hey, I see with a little yep. bit of trans humor going yep, on. Um, we, we met at a, something called Patricon mm-hmm. back in 2018. Uh, I was in town for Patricon. I also did the the uh, LA live show that some of my listeners may remember. And most of them did not show up for, uh, <laughs> but, but we met and, uh, you were very lovely to me and, and apparently something, uh, went on out there that had to do with the podcast. So I would love to hear, please. Yeah. Share. Well, re- relevant to the podcast. So, um, I make no secret of the fact that I'm a kinky person. Right. Um, and as kinks go, Mine are pretty mainstream, right? Like there's not really anything that I'm into that would raise an eyebrow in uh, among anyone who is mildly kinky, like garden variety BDSM stuff, right? Bondage, a little bit of pain, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, None of that is surprising to anyone who is like mildly sex positive, right? That's like you and fucking all of my friends are into that, right? (laughs) There is one kink that I have that sometimes gets an eyebrow raised and that is casting. Casting? Yeah, like like the cast you get when you like break a bone. Oh, thank God. I thought that was like some sort of like hip term for castration or something. I was like, oh, oh no. no. Sounding no, no, is no, tough no. enough for me to no, deal with no, as no, is. No, 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 no. Um, and I mean, in my mind, it's very simple, right? It's like Jeffrey Dahmer was really into casting. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. That's what I hear. Uh, um, And for me, it's like not any different than like being into bondage, right? Like it's just a different way of like restraining someone. Um, It's very popular in the incest porn videos where, uh, oh no, broke both my hands. Mama, what am I going to (laughs) do? Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that one because that's not, that's not one of my things. but uh, even having no problem mentioning casually to any of my friends that like BDSM is a thing that I'm into, that's one that I still kind of like, I mean, I don't keep it a secret. I'm not like embarrassed about it or anything like that. But like, usually if I bring it up, it means there has to be a conversation and I'm not always in the mood for the, for the full conversation for it. Right. And so it's not something that I often bring up in regular polite company. Uh, but again, not something I'm ashamed of. And, uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm at Patreon. I'm uh, a little nervous because I'm like, I don't know if there's going to be any other trans people here. I don't know if there's going to be any other queer people here. And like, normally when I go to a convention, it's like, you know, a Star Trek convention where I know, even if I'm going alone, I'm going to run into people I know. I'm going to run into friends and I'm going to have people to hang out with. Um, But at this convention, I was positive that at the very least, I was not going to run into anyone that I knew there. And uh, it turns out I was even wrong about that. Uh, Jesse Dallimore is, a, is, is, is an acquaintance and, uh, and he was there. And so like, you know, we talked and hung out a little bit and all of that. And, and I met all kinds of wonderful, lovely people and it was fine. I'm just, I'm kind of inherently an anxious person. Right. And so I go into a room and I'm just automatically thinking of all the million things that can go wrong. And of course that's one of them, right? Like I'm going to, nobody's going to know me. Nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to want to talk to me, whatever. So I'm, you know, mingling around the room, right? And and everybody does the thing. You just like 
find a group and you woke up like, hey, my name's Callie. I make a podcast called Queer Splitting. What do you do? And that's how the conversation starts, right? Yeah. And I notice that there is a guy hanging out in the crowd that has a leg cast on. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, how bad would that suck? to uh, this it's not going as far as you think it's going uh <laughs> but I, I just thought about like like oh man how bad would it suck to like get that injured before you before you come to this thing right um and it turns out that's not actually the case this this is a guy whose content i enjoy <laughs> and i like somehow i missed that he was even on patreon and i don't know how i missed that um, this guy makes casting content and is on Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uh, and like he hires models and posts like pictures and videos. Um, and and I, I'm I, I don't know how well he does, but I mean, obviously, well enough to get invited to Patreon, uh, and that you know he could afford to like fly. I think he's in Chicago, uh, you know, from Chicago to L.A. And so like it's not you know he's not doing nothing. At this time, I was even more reserved about that particular thing than I am now. And so the entire time I'm thinking like, fuck, do I go introduce myself to this guy? Is that going to be creepy? I don't know. Like, what do I, what do I do? What do I do with this? (laughs) And uh, so I'm like mulling this over the first night of the convention. And I didn't, I didn't introduce myself and I didn't say anything. And I immediately called my friend Kayla and this was (laughs) Also, the first time in my life I'd ever tried edibles because I live in fucking northern Kentucky. It's not easy to get weed here. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, the first thing that I did when I landed in L.A. is like I got to my friend's house that I was staying with and I found a dispensary and I got high. And so I'm high as fuck through this whole thing. The convention's over. And so I call my friend and I'm like, oh, my God, Kayla, what do I do? And, And this was she was someone I had previously shared this with so this was not news to her mm-hmm. um but i was like i was like there's there, there's a guy here like he like this is just frankly he makes stuff that i masturbate to and <laughs> <laughs> do i like and i'm and of course again it's anxious brain right because i get like i can guarantee that whatever i as Callie Wright is going to say to this person is probably not going to be anywhere near approaching the weirdest thing he's ever had said to him. Right. (laughs) Um, And so the next day uh, we meet up and uh, what were we doing? Oh, you remember how they were given out those cards that had like metrics on them and they had like Mm -hmm. somebody from their team that was, that would like go over your metrics and make recommendations for like how to get into the stats with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hanging out at the table that was given those out as I approached the table. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to the Patreon person. She just turns around and introduces me to him before I get the chance to make any decision. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said, because in my head, again, I was really high and not used to the feeling of being high. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now it's, it's very different because I get high rather often and, um, I can function pretty well. And I know like, okay, this is high brain doing this. This is normal brain doing this, but I did not have those skills at this point in my life. Right. Um, and so she was like, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is Kevin. And, and, uh, he makes, and I was like, I, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> How did he respond? 
it was great. He was super nice. Did, 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 he first, first, did he ask, uh, oh, so do, do you pledge to the Patreon? Was that? <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> he did not. Did you, did you guilt pledge the next day? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> That's not really the kind of content that I consume right now at this point in my life. Maybe I should. Okay. Maybe I should. You know yeah. what? Maybe I should. Because uh, <laughs> legitimately, like, the nicest fucking guy. Um, and, uh, and, and this is, like, where things end up feeling a, a little kind of weird in the other direction because uh, there's always that thing when you're in a room full of cis people and you can tell most of them have not met a trans person before, at least not that they're ever aware of. And so mm-hmm. they have so many questions, you know, I'm not sure that I've ever had to verbalize this before. I'm, I'm having trouble trying to describe it because my ability to observe human behavior is a trauma response, as it is for many of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Because you're like, I now need to learn how to like identify things so I don't die. Well, it, it was that. And even before that, it was living in a house with a mom and a stepdad who hated each other. Okay. And constantly trying to read the tension in the room to make sure that like chaos wasn't going to erupt. Or at least like um, when you knew like, oh God, there's going to be a fight. I got to go to my room or something like right, that, right? Exactly. Oh man. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to be totally clear, neither of them were abusive toward me or my brother or sister. Mm-hmm. It was just, they hated each other. They did their best to hide it, but they didn't do the best job of hiding it, but they're humans. And I don't, I, I don't hold that against them. Uh, but that, and then coming out as trans and being scared in public all of the time made me mm-hmm. a really, really acute. Uh, observer of human behavior and the way people's uh, the way people's mannerisms change, the specific kinds of words that they choose, uh, their specifically the way their speech patterns work before and after they figure out you're trans. Mm. Um, oh gosh, <laughs> because that's you, a, that's you an notice... SNL sketch right there. <laughs> yeah. Before and after realizing someone you're talking to is different than mm-hmm. you, uh, and yeah. then be like, oh. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> Right. And and you can tell, like, if it if you say it and it's just in stride, we're moving forward, we're continuing the conversation. It's like, yeah. oh, this person has either done a lot of reading or has a lot of trans friends and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see when people like they start stumbling over their words, they start like preemptively apologizing for all the mistakes they feel like they're about to make <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and to be clear, uh to bring it back into the situation we're describing, this was not quite to like level 100 as far as that goes. Um, but it was just more like, I mean, he just had, he had a lot of questions about trans stuff and he had a lot of questions about the podcast. Um, Mm. and I also, and this is a thing that I feel like I need to be really careful when I say, but I feel like when I say it, hopefully your audience will understand is that there's a degree to which like, he kind of visibly moves through the world as a person who is real different too. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, and it's, it's obviously not the same as being because, trans. because of the cast. Yeah. I mean, that uh, is allegedly temporary, right? Like it'd be weird if you like cosplay to having a cast on all the time. I kind of get the impression that he does like most uh, of the time. Uh, and maybe that's just a, maybe that's just a product of the content he creates. Uh, okay. and, and I, I want to be like super clear that I'm not talking shit about the guy. I don't think there's yeah, any, yeah. he was, he was a wonderful, wonderful person and he makes really great content, frankly. But like, I mean, I, I get the sense that like, that's, it's actually a pretty fairly regular thing uh, for him. Okay. 
um, you know, like there are parallels, at least some parallels in our experiences, even if they're not directly parallel. And, you know, when we're talking about like interpersonal weirdness, obviously Mm -hmm. like being trans has the societal component, right. Of like uh, the government is trying to take away my rights and would rather I don't exist. That obviously does not, that that's not a thing (laughs) for, uh, for someone like that. But in terms of like, how sometimes interpersonal reactions, uh, interpersonal interactions can get kind of weird when you find Mm -hmm. out a certain thing about someone. Uh, I I felt like we actually did bond a little bit over that, which was neat. Um, And I, you know, I was at a different point in my life. There's a part of me now that's like, I want to message and be like, bro, I live five, I live five hours from Chicago. Like you should have a model for you. Maybe, maybe I need to hit him up again. Uh, he also, he introduced me to this wonderful, uh, this wonderful lady from, uh, from Britain named Sarah that made a really cool, uh, podcast about like women's empowerment and sports. She was very lovely. There was a lot of very fun, interesting characters there. And there were like people I knew, people I didn't know. And I got to know there were people like I knew and I was like, Ooh, and I know they don't like me. And it was like a very interesting, (laughs) like you went to the Patreon being like, Oh gosh, I don't know if I'm going to know anybody this, that. And I was just. I was like, I was nervous I was going to go there and people already hated me who I didn't know. <laughs> and I was kind of right. You know, I wasn't wrong. Uh, very awkward. Amazing. <laughs> Wait, can you tell me more about this casting fetish? Like, what is it about yeah. being in a cast that's so hot to you? And 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 is it that you want to be with someone in a cast? Uh, I have so many questions. Like, do you want to be with someone in a cast? Do you want to be in the cast? Is there a particular yes. part of the body that's yes. hotter to have cast than another? Like... Please, I've never heard of this of this kink. I've never heard of this fetish. It's legitimately, it is no more complicated than uh, enjoying it for the same reason I like being tied up or restrained. It's exactly the same brain process. Sure, but like how, how did yours go to a cast? Because like I think ropes, I think latex, I think even the saran wrap stuff, I think that's a little bit like, I mean, not that uh, most of kink is like mainstream, but I think within the realm of kink, it's on the more mainstream side of of bondage. And so I've, I, like I said, never heard of this yeah, one in, in all these that's years. Fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to be honest and say, I don't actually remember. Did you ever break um, a bone as a kid? Were you ever in a cast? No. Uh, I mean, I did. I broke my arm, but uh, I was in a sling and it was when I was like seven. Uh, and you were so seven very, being like, very, oh God, I really wish I was in a fucking cast right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah very, <laughs> very unsexually aware when that happened. Um, honestly, I, it might've been something I just kind of ran across on the internet like a lot of people do when they discover porn exists, especially at the time that uh, you and I are pretty close to the same age, right? I'm 36. I'm, I'm 32, but my hair, my hairline's 36. So like, I understand <laughs> okay, the that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but you know, like when I was having, you know, my sexual awakening was also when uh, widespread internet was pretty well in its infancy mm-hmm. and, you know, you discover porn as a thing. And I just went down all kinds of rabbit holes and some of it was just out of curiosity. Like this isn't even hot to me. I'm just fucking frankly interested in this. Like, why do people think this is cool? You know, those Napster um, Morpheus days, it's where you like, and, you basically plugged in keywords into Napster and like whatever files weren't corrupted. <laughs> right, like that was yes. your porn. That's what you yeah, had. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I gotta believe that that's how I was led to it. But the honest answer is I don't remember specifically how I ran across it. Um, I just remember, I, I just, I, I remember, you know, it being a thing on the internet and discovering that that was a thing. Uh, and then discovering that there are like places online where you can just go like buy the stuff. <laughs> you can like buy fake casts to, to do a scene. 
Yeah, I mean, except it's not fake. It's like the stuff that it's the same stuff they have in a doctor's office. But um, see, but like, is there anything? Because like, all I hear from people in cast is like the, it itches like a motherfucker, right? And that so only like, happens I, after you're wearing it for a very long time. Okay. Typically. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, <laughs> but also, but interesting punishment. Like, if you were in doing some sort of like long term DS thing, and if like you're being like a bad human like we're gonna we're gonna leave that cast on longer until it starts itching and you're gonna be like mistress can I take it off it itches be like no bitch <laughs> clean my room yeah and it's and, <laughs> oh and my also, god I think about the fin doms like the fin doms could do like uncasting <laughs> like you you have to pay me to get the cast on you and then you gotta pay even more to get the cast off <laughs> oh my gosh oh the possibilities yeah oh, so you're getting way more creative with the thought that I ever had <laughs> um you know, and for me, it's – in the weird thing too is that uh, I, I don't quite understand – I've actually – I've legitimately asked my therapist about this and she was mm-hmm. like, some things you don't really need an explanation for because it's not – it's not <clears throat> it's not affecting your life negatively. And so it's maybe not a thing that you want to spend a ton of time digging into. Like we can, mm-hmm. we can work on the actual problems in your life because um, my therapist said to me, she's like – I've heard way weirder shit. This is not a problem <laughs> unless and you like, think it's no a problem being harmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was like, if you think it's a problem, then we can talk about it, but I don't think it's a problem. And I was like, no, no, I just like, I recognize this about me that it's uh, atypical. And that's mm. interesting <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's the same sort of like subspacey sort of feeling that you get uh, or at least that I get when being restrained in like a, a more traditional like BDSM type sense because I'm naturally an anxious person and that for some reason it that just like melts it away uh and I uh and, and that was specifically why I wanted to ask my therapist about this. Cause I was like, why does my brain work that way? I don't, I don't get it. Um, and she's like, she's like, yeah, I wish I knew, uh, because and my, my therapist had shared with me, uh, within good professional boundaries, but she shared with me, she was like, yeah, there was a, a long time when I was involved in the kink scene. And that's where I really learned how to set boundaries for myself, like throughout all of the rest of life. She's like, so as long as you feel like it's a, a, a positive thing for you, then I w- agree that it's a positive thing for you. And then like, you can just roll with it to your heart's content as long as you're not hurting anyone or being hurt. But I mean, I've, I've done that like in particularly stressful times of my life. Like I'll just put a cast on and wear it for a day or two. And uh, for some reason it, it, it has that. Um, I, I don't know if it's the same. I, I've, I've wondered is it the same mechanic of like uh, a weighted blanket or like getting a good solid hug for a minute? And I mean, I've been mummified, I've been mummified in duct tape and similar, <laughs> similar situations. Oh, well, I, I went like, yeah, with excitement. Cause I think I like to be mummified at least once. It seems like a yeah, thing yeah. to do, but then the yeah. duct tape part seemed like owie. Okay. I mean, it How do was you do that? most people when they do it, do like plastic wrap or saran wrap before the duct tape. Okay. Uh, I did not. I regret. Oh. I regret. Callie, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Cal, you sure you don't want to put some saran wrap? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like uh, hardcore with this. I got this. I'm no wuss. I can handle it. Nope. Ow. And, ow. Yeah, ow. And, and the the person who was doming me in the scene was like, "Listen, I need you to know that I'm very down for this." I need you to be sure that you're very down for this because she's like, I don't, I don't know if you can 
fully appreciate what that's probably going to feel like coming off. And I was like, fuck it, we'll deal with it when it happens. And if I hate it, it's not going to kill me and I'll just never do it again. It sounds um, like a sadist wet dream though. Oh my gosh. Like you're just, cause, yeah. cause there is not one pull is not two pulls. It is a long time of painful pulling. Well, and, and the, I mean, the way that it ended up working was she like <laughs> rolled me over on my belly made sure that I was breathing and then took like scissors starting at the back of my legs and like worked her way up my body with like medical scissors and then kind of just like peeled it off. And this was, uh, and this was after I'd come out as trans, but before I'd been on hormones. So I was a lot hairier of a person then. Um, And so I just, Holy shit. That was a bad time. I did not enjoy that at all. And I was like, I was like, I would love to do this again, but we're not going to do it this way again. And she was like, listen, I tried to tell you. And I was like, you did. I don't hold anything against you. This, I went in with eyes open. I made this decision and it was the wrong one. <laughs> oh, fine. Did, did, did she get it off in one like fatal swoop or did it just take forever? Oh, hell was no. It, con- it took forever. Oh, um, because, funny. because uh, she, I mean, she was a, she was a bigger girl, but she was not super strong physically. Oh, um, this is just amazing so yeah so she she had a lot of work to do (laughs) it was it was oh it was a bad time (laughs) um but like anybody listening to this who who might like know me might not know that my wife and i aren't monogamous and so i want to be sure that people know i'm not about to describe cheating on my wife (laughs) this is the reason i preface this i went through a period of time where i kind of lost interest in sex And I didn't know if it was hormonal, if it was psychological, if it was just like, I'm asexual now. All of those things are fine. Um, Well, actually, they're not all fine. If it was hormonal or psychological, I would love to fix it somehow. Uh, But if I'm just, you know, inherently asexual now, fine with that. There's nothing wrong with being ace. It was just a very weird thing for me, given how into sex and sexual stuff I was before. Um, And turns out it was it was hormonal. My hormones just weren't right. And I uh, got back on hormones, started injections, got all that good to go. And my sex drive came back with a fucking vengeance. And then COVID happened. Mm. And so I'm like, cool. I have, uh, I have like, I'm like ready to fucking go. And I can't do anything about it now. I mean, obviously like my wife and I can do whatever we want. um, But I was like ready to go to a con and just like have random sex with random people and do all kinds of wild shit. Um, and I, I got the chance to, to flex those muscles when I went to Las Vegas for, uh, for Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, two, three months ago and, uh, telling the entire story would take longer than we have. Suffice it to say, by the way, something I admire about you is your ability to like solo podcast for as long as you do. Cause like I've heard, (laughs) I I was like, wait, there's no guest. It's a half hour episode. How'd she do that? That's, that's amazing. <laughs> they, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's I apologize. Now. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So, uh, so I had my first threesome at mm-hmm. Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, and it was with uh, someone who was made up as a Klingon and someone who was made up as uh, Jim Kirk. And because it's like a Star Trek convention, is it, it's like three people, but there's like seven arms involved. Is anything like that? No, uh, uh, an expected number of appendages <laughs> were involved. <Okay. laughs> um, it was just the makeup. I was made up like a trill. Uh, the, 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 the girl was uh, made up like a Klingon. The guy was made up as uh, Captain Kirk. As, as sex goes, that part in itself wasn't super wild. Like it was mm-hmm. a threesome and it was great. Um, except for the fact that I spoke Klingon in the process. That was fun. Um, you because never disappoint. Do. You don't uh, disappoint, Coward. <laughs> 
I wouldn't bring up a story like that. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna bring up a story like that and be like, "Oh yeah, actually, it was no big deal. There was a hook." Um, and and then twenty minutes after that was over, I ran into somebody else and we snuck off into an abandoned bar somewhere else in the hotel and fucked on their couch for like an hour. It was great. <laughs> wow, with a fucking vengeance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I, I came out of the. I came, listen when I. I came out as trans to my friends. I came out as trans to the whole fucking world like a month later. When mm-hmm. I like when I decide to do something, I just come fucking crashing out of the gate. And <laughs> so I'm 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 fucking I'm ready to go. I'm going to I'm going to Indianapolis for a Star Trek convention in like two weeks. You and... fucking nerds are so horny. It is insane to me. Yeah. Um, now, now something we were talking about at Patreon as I was like uh trying to come into new understandings of like about gender and about myself. And something I, I was finding interesting was it's, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding of Callie's gender journey involved like coming out as trans. And then I remember like you throwing out the words like trans masculine. And, and then you, I know now you, you identify as like non-binary. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I didn't even understand truly like how someone, for example, could be a trans mask trans woman like there there it, it once i'm still like i was at the time still trying to grasp the concept of any one of these and the idea of like mixing <laughs> right. them together started to be like oh gosh i don't have the phd i'm trying right, um, right. well like, i don't know that, that i've about? ever i don't know that i've ever described myself as trans masculine cuz that definitely is not anything that i've ever i know okay. that, like, in terms of presentation i'm definitely like even when I was was pretty confident that like trans woman was the right descriptor for me, okay. um, after a certain period of time, I was like, I guess I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of like a butch, like mask presenting kind of. Because yeah, that time, woman. I think you were like very fitted cap, cool sneakers. I, th- yep. I think if I remember That's correctly, still me. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and uh, and so like the I guess like the the TLDR version of Callie's gender journey is I. I knew on one level or another that I was trans when I was like 10 years old and uh, you know, puberty happens and you see a certain group of people's bodies changing one way, your body is changing a different way. And I just sort of like had this inherent sense that the way that I was going was not the right thing for me. And that I really had a strong uh, pull towards the way that, you know, all the people that I was being told were girls that I am not like that is what, and, and I was fixated on that not in a i'm you know a horny kid with hormones for the first time interested in girls kind of way but like deeply fascinated in that like i see the way their bodies are changing and for some reason that feels like that's what's supposed to be happening to me and it's not and i don't understand why mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of hit me one day i was sitting at the lunch table uh, uh the friend that i always ate lunch with was out sick that day or something like that so i was by myself because i was a fucking nerd and, uh, and I just, I was like, holy shit, I was supposed to be a girl. Uh, and then of course, uh, I, I knew enough to know that that was something that like, if I said that out loud to people around me, that like, I was going to be mercilessly tormented. And, um, and I remember at one point, like saying that my favorite color was purple and I didn't hear the end of that for like a fucking week. And so like, I knew that like, any sort of like stepping outside of that, like I'm a boy and I like boy things was like not a cool thing. And so I didn't tell a fucking soul ever. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, I, and I was 10 or 11. So this would have been like 1994, 1995 ish, somewhere in that area. 
um, had zero concept of queerness, zero concept of transness, no idea that this was a way other human beings were. And so it was just kind of, I just kind of suppressed it with varying degrees of success for a really, really long time. And when I was like 28, uh, it got to the point where I was like having suicidal ideation. I was depressed all the time and it was just constantly on my mind. And I was like, okay, I, I feel like I probably know what this is. And if I don't do something about it now, uh, really, really bad stuff could end up happening to me. Um, and I, th- I think in retrospect at the time, the reason why non-binary isn't where I landed is because when I was first going through my whole gender journey, like that had never been presented to me as an option. So I never felt, um, it, the logic to me was always like, well, the boy box doesn't feel right. So I got to jump into the girl box because so much about that box does feel right. Even if it's not entirely right, enough of it feels right that I think I fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in, in retrospect, I don't know if I was doing the motivated reasoning of like, um, well, I just happened to like all of the girl things because that's what you're supposed to do if you're a girl, you know, like I've got long wavy hair. I learned how to do makeup and I love wearing dresses and, and all of that stuff. And I mean, in my mind, at least it was like, this is the way that I want to be. Um, and in retrospect, I wonder if I was like trying to convince myself and just like successfully convincing myself for a while that that was who I was, or if I just really was. And at some point, something about me changed. I don't fully know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't actually think the answer to that question is super, super important. Um, it's just something that I'm kind of curious about because like those things are fluid and can change over time anyways. Right. right. Um, I think getting my bottom surgery out of the way had a big part of it because, um, you know, not, not all trans people have dysphoria, uh, and not all trans people have dysphoria surrounding their bodies the way that I do, the way that a lot of trans folks do. Uh, but I certainly did. And it was a major, major stumbling block for me. And it was something that I was just like laser focused on and rarely ever able to forget about. But when I had my bottom surgery, that obstacle was gone, right? It's like, oh, wow. All of a sudden I'm, mostly okay with the way that my body's put together and the way my body operates. Mm. And so instead of spending so much time focusing on what I was miserable with, I started to be able to ask questions about like, okay, I'm not miserable. Now what do I do to feel better? You know, like, like instead of, instead of running away from dysphoria, what can I do to chase euphoria? Pre pandemic, you had an episode that uh, one of the ones I was listening to today was like, you were almost like prioritizing like procedures or therapies that were important mm-hmm. to you. Like, okay, like yep. this, I think yep. I can be without, this is really important. Like, or yep. like I'm having issues with voice. Okay. I would like to do that. You know? So yep. it, it was interesting to hear, like you prioritize, like what about you, you need, you felt like you still needed to change to yep. actually be Cali. Yep. And, um, and, and what, what really started me down the, the journey of thinking about if non-binary is a better descriptor for me. And especially if they, them, uh, as pronouns fit better for me was I occasionally do episodes on my show where I ask people to submit questions and, um, a very, very common question I get is some version of, am I trans enough to call myself trans? Um, am I just a feminine boy or am I a trans woman? You know, this is am kind I, of what we were, like, we, what I was asking you about, uh, at Patreon because I yeah. was so into this trying to figure out the difference between like, if modern day feminism is supposed to be break getting rid of these gender roles and there's not supposed right. to be like a boy or like a girl, it felt right. like it was almost at odds with the concept of, 
um, like trans identity or non-binary. Because again, like mm-hmm. when you talk about the boy box doesn't feel right, boy box don't feel right for me most of the time either. Uh, right. I don't like it when I'm perceived as a man and, and I'm probably like all these other men because I have never in my life been like the boys. Those boys always made sure to remind me I was not like them. Uh, so there's that element of things (laughs) and like, granted, honestly, like sounds stupid. It sounds kind of dumb and minuscule. Maybe not to you. Maybe, I don't know. To me it does, but like, I don't know, like using that little gray non-binary emoji for the last like year, year and a half has actually been like any little opportunity I've had to like not identify with all that shit Yeah, has like been kind of nice. But at the end of the day, I I, I wouldn't really change much. I I might learn how to put eyeliner on by myself, but like, I, I don't. Like, what would be the purpose of identifying differently if I'm still going to get treated like looking like this? Because I'm still going to look like a dumpy dude. And all I'd be doing is just like correcting someone on like a pronoun or an identity there, marker. Actually, uh, this week's episode of, of Queer Splitting is very relevant to this discussion, actually. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to um, check it out. Uh, in the, the most honest answer I can give you is that there is no real answer to that question, mm. right? Like... Your Which my brain entire, hates. I like clear yeah. answers. <laughs> your entire monologue just now about how you feel about gender. Uh, mm-hmm. I have met other people who say near the exact same thing, and that's what led them to feel like they are actually non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the you don't, pro- feel the other that thing way, that's annoying that though is if I came out, if I was like, if I tweeted that like I was non-binary, people, a lot of people hate me. Would be like, oh fucking Prasita. Well, right, and well, and that's and that's the the battle that we're always constantly fighting. Right, is this internal sense of our identity and who we inherently are as a person, who we want to be, versus how we know we're going to be perceived by the outside world and what that means for how we move through the world. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, for for some people that means maybe, um you know, dressing a little more stereotypically feminine than they might otherwise like to just because it helps them blend in and they know they're not going to get fucking hate crimed, uh, because they're like visibly weird. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like visibly different than everyone around them. And I think that's ultimately (laughs) what I've had to come to peace with is that if I have the same gender story as someone else, but we come to different conclusions about where that, like the end point that leads us to, we Mm -hmm. have to learn to just be okay with that. Um, because it has, it has to do with who we inherently are as a person, the stories we're told about the culture that we grow up in, the society that we live in, uh, the, the ways that our brains and bodies are predisposed to make us feel it's a big mishmash of fucking all of it. And I, I have never felt that gatekeeping that away from people is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, saying that, you know, if, if you came to me and said, Hey Callie, I actually think I'm non-binary. My pronouns are they, them. Um, but I don't really feel like I need to change anything outwardly about who I am. Stop reading my drafts, Callie. What, (laughs) (laughs) um, what, what is served by me saying that's bullshit. You can't do that. Like what purpose does that actually serve? Right. Even if. You can, and I know you wouldn't do one this, less man the, to the, hate. The I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't hate men. Clear no, no, that. not you. Just, uh, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Maybe at some undefined future point of discourse, this dynamic will work out a little differently. But yeah. now I am so much more interested in, uh, 
I, I would much rather take someone seriously and then later on find out they were trolling me than to ever turn away someone who was earnestly seeking to know themselves better and maybe didn't have the cultural context to use the right language or um you know maybe it's coming from some problematic views of gender um you know like uh, i i mean i met a guy once who literally said like well i know my gender is weird because i like cleaning up around the house and i'm like okay <laughs> i'm not trying to tell you who you are but i also know that like mm-hmm. You have very clearly demonstrated to me that you actually have some things to work out around gender before you figure out what yours is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, but but even then, right? Like, what is served by someone like that coming to me, me saying that, and being like, "Dude, that's bullshit." Like, what purpose does that serve? It, it truly does not. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the trans community. It doesn't help that person. It doesn't help me, um, except for. Um, you know, that, that gatekeeping mentality where it often comes from is this idea that I have this thing that is mine and I have to draw a circle around what it, what is and isn't that. So I can identify who is my in group and who is my out group. And there's a legitimate degree to which we want to do that. Right. Because we have to be able to identify who is a threat to us and who is not. Especially if you're like a, if you're like a minority group that doesn't have much to begin with, it's like, you want to feel like something's yours. Cause Hey, People look like me feels like we got it all. <laughs> right, right. Well, right. And that's exactly my thing. Like I, we like to joke about this a lot, but I, I don't, I, I really and truly don't like casual, like man hating. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, because I, I actually think that is, is unhelpful to discourse as well. Um, but I will also freely say that like, if I'm in a room full of people that I know to be men, I am going to be more on my guard than I otherwise would be because statistically that makes sense to do. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think we, we do have to sometimes make snap decisions about who is and isn't a threat based on, based on past experience, based on what we know to be statistically true, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those sorts of things. But that's an intern. That's an internal process where you go like in your mind. I decide. I figure out who do I need to like be on my guard against, as opposed to someone coming to you with something, uh, and you like can externally be shitty to them. It's like w- one of those serves you, and the other one, like as you're as you exactly. seem to you know be pointing to, what what do you get out of that? You know, right? And and I've and I will I will say that that is not a position I have always had, even in my own gender journey. Like there was a period of time where I, I really did kind of buy into the casual, like I hate men, fuck men, fuck your feelings, male tears, drinking them out of a cup, that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, and like, I mean, I, I get, mm-hmm. I get where that comes from, right? Like it's, it's a place of trauma. It's a place of recognizing systemic oppression. I think all of that is very, very important. And I'm not even necessarily saying it's wrong to feel that way. But to treat literally everyone you meet as if that, then I, I think that's probably not the best way to go. Um, and, and I don't think most people do that anyways. Like I, I don't think that extreme uh, end is is where most people end up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, I think there's a very important difference between saying like it takes a little more work for me to trust men than it does for anyone else. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm also not going to be the person talking about like, Oh, testosterone poisoning. Testosterone is poison. Anytime there's testosterone in the room, everything's terrible. Um, Cause that, again, that just doesn't really serve a purpose. And it also like for, uh, for, for trans folks who like 
testosterone literally fucking saved their life. Like, what am I saying about them if, mm-hmm. if I do that? Right. I, I have to like shout out that is perspective that was given to me. That is not perspective I came to on my own, right? Course, yeah. Like that learning, learning that pro- because that's not my experience, right? Like learning that has been an important part of my own journey and like not being shitty to other people who have parallel experiences to mine. Yeah. And, and I felt the same way until I started doing OnlyFans. I was like, oh, men really are trash. Because uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, you know, like, like way more men follow my OnlyFans than, than women, but proportionally more of the women pay for my content than the portion of the men who follow me. Who oh, pay. interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, Callie, be- you know, before we get going, uh, you know, you host a, a podcast, great show. Don't know do. how you, you sit there by yourself talking to nobody. Sometimes um, that sounds like it's practice. This episode was going to be me by myself telling some like, the COVID era sex stories and I was not excited to do it. Uh, I was so <laughs> happy you were free because like, gosh, no one's available this week. And I think I'm just going to talk to myself for an hour, which sounds horrifying. Um, but you do it uh, very well on your show. Do you want, do you want to tell my Thank listeners you. a bit Thank about queer explaining? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to be clear, the episodes you hear me monologuing, those are scripted. <laughs> I write those. Oh, you cheat. <laughs> Well, the fact that you didn't know that means that I'm not cheating and it means that I'm doing a good job. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I started podcasting as an atheist podcaster, uh, and for reasons that we Wait, don't what, have. Did it used to have a different name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It used to be called name? the, yeah, it used to be called the Gatheist Manifesto. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, and Telling that whole story would take a very long time. Yeah, but suffice yeah. it to say, I decided that podcasting specifically about atheism was not really where I wanted to be. I wanted to tell stories of queer and trans people, and I didn't want to just be able to talk to atheists. And I didn't just want my audience to be atheists anymore because I like I still am one. Uh, but that's just not what I want to be at the center of my life, my storytelling, my activism. Ron Reagan and, Jr. Um, can can handle that. Yeah, uh, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got that on lock. Um, and I uh, I've just I've always loved storytelling as an art form, uh, as opposed to, uh, interviews I used to do where it was like, um, you know, give me information, like info dump to me. Um, like that stuff's cool. That's just not what I wanted to do anymore. And so I started to really learn about the art of storytelling and how powerful storytelling can be and how to construct good stories and how to help people shape their own stories into things that, that can really connect with other people and, and, and touch other people and help other people learn things in ways that are more meaningful than just like quoting statistics. And so I, I sort of like did a rebrand. I changed the name of the show to queer explaining and I made it specifically about telling queer stories. Um, and I still do the occasional interview show if something comes up. Um, but most of the time it is, uh, having a a queer trans person on to share a story about something they went through in life. Uh, I, I will often do like monologue episodes about things that have gone on in my own life and, uh, specifically in opposition to the way that the mainstream media often treats queer stories, which is as, uh, as, as clickbait, as like inspiration porn, as uh, ways to center other people. Like if you read about, like if you read a story about a trans person, often the hero in the story is the trans person's parent, the trans person's spouse, uh, all of the people who like this it's trans congratulating person people with, who didn't kick someone half the house. Like yeah, good on exactly. you for not being a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and it's also like 
a lot of times reinforcing the idea that like, it is so difficult to love someone who is trans, but I learned how to do it. And I'm such a good person. Really? Like those narratives are so pervasive. And even when it's not that it's usually just like a coming out story. And trust me, I love a good coming out story. I've done plenty of them on my show. I share mine often, but queer life is way more fucking complicated than that. And we don't, almost ever hear those stories in mainstream media narratives about queer and trans people. And so um, I, I wanted to, to do that, to dig deeper into queerness and transness, all of the different dimensions of those things and the different life experiences that people have. And in a way that is not exploitative in a way that's not extractive. Right. Um, I've done a lot of like workshopping on like interviewing and storytelling and all that sort of stuff. And there are journalists who are fucking snakes. Like they will say, they will like say stuff to you that they know will deliberately like hurt your feelings to get good interview tape. Right. Like, I don't mean it, but I'm going to say something that I know you're going to find insulting because your answer is going to make for good listening. Um, and I'm going to get you to dump all your trauma on me because it makes good tape. And then I'm going to run off the other direction because I don't actually fucking care about who you are, or what you've been through. Um, and thankfully, in in large part in the storytelling world, there's been a very big backlash against that model of storytelling. Um, I think true crime is really the only place where it's still like super, super endemic um, and in, in more like mainstream journalism, but people who take storytelling uh, as a medium seriously, thankfully there's been a bit of a backlash against that. Um, but I, I kind of see my job as uh, kind of a, a, a shepherd of a person's story, right? Like I, help them tell their story in a way that I know is accurate to their experience um, and help them shape it in a way that will make it relatable to other people in ways that other people will understand the things that happened to them, how it made them felt, how they overcame whatever challenges they overcame. And, uh, and often will illustrate something broader about the queer experience. And, and Callie, where can people go to, to listen to Queer Explaining? Where, where can they go to follow you on the interwebs? I am at Callie Gets It on Twitter. That's a C A L L I E Gets It uh, because I do. I'm very smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <and> then, <laughs> who's the other Callie Wright? Tell me, right? Who's the other Callie Wright? Who took An it author, from you? believe it or not. Wow. Um, who by all accounts that I can find is a lovely person. I have nothing bad to say about the other Callie Wright. Uh, there's also a college soccer player named Callie Wright who is apparently killing it. And I'm very, okay. very proud of her. No Callie. Um, uh, I get Google no alerts or uh, horses or whatever. Yeah, I, I get Google are. alerts for her name sometimes when soccer games happen. Um, but yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you should be able to hear queer splitting. The website has not been updated in a while. That's my bad mental health crisis. I'm working my way out of it. Uh, but any, any podcast app podcast platform you listen to podcasts on, you should be able to find queer splitting. Fantastic. Callie, thanks again. I appre I actually wrote it in my notebook and picked it up. I was like, I appreciate you. Uh, you're one of my favorite internet friends. Sweet. And I look Thank forward you. to uh, to seeing you again in a not-too-distant future. Yes. Uh, and and, and uh. I hope you go uh, see Cast Boy in Chicago. Why not? Uh <laughs> I, I, when and if it happens, I'll let you know and we can do another episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fantastic. Callie, thank you again so much. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, friends. <laughs> 
this was really the perfect time for me to have an episode where I shut up for like 80% of it since my microphone ended up being a little bit more subpar than Callie's. What a great, what a cool person. What a great conversation. Uh, you know, I had no idea that breaking your leg and being a cast could be a turn on for someone. But hey, there, there we're at. That's where we're at in this world. Uh, anything and everything can turn somebody on. Never underestimate the power of some random object to be a, you know, panty wetter or boner maker. If you enjoy my conversation with Callie, I've got a bonus episode with them coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon. Uh, we're talking a lot about hormones. We're talking about how hormones uh, affected their libido during the pandemic and the concept of, uh, you know, oh no, there's a pandemic or a zombie apocalypse. I need my estrogen. What do we do? And if you want to hear that as well as over 200 bonus episodes, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Callie and I love the Twitters. We have been Twitter friends for years. So shout us out. Let us know what you thought about this week's episode. You can tag them at Callie Gets It, which is, <laughs> I love that. It's at C-A-L-L-I-E Gets It, because I do. <laughs> and, and I'm at the Billy Procida. That's P-R-O-C-I-D-A. We love some of that social media engagement. Uh, and if you want to engage with me in a way hotter way, uh, you can do so on my free OnlyFans. Yes, free to follow. Tip me in the DMs if you want to flirt. And you can follow that at OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. Bundle up, folks. Nail down those cuffing partners. Buy the dip and stay slutty. Dogecoin to the moon, ready to buy the dip? Start investing in cryptocurrency today with Coinbase, and you can get $10 worth of Bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Come on, how much longer is this fiat thing going to last? Yes, that is what it sounds like when I finger her. Good morning, sluts. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast.